This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Happy Friday. You made it. You made it through the weekend. Your reward is football. Denver Broncos football for the first time in a long time. And you don't have to wait, well, more than just a few hours this time. The Broncos will be in action in Arizona to start the preseason. We'll have Chris Thomason, the Denver Gazette, who is out at the uh, stadium now as we speak. He'll join us in an hour to talk about the latest. But for the Denver Broncos, obviously, we're going to go through uh, this game not really about wins and losses preseason games are not don't worry about that would it, would it be nice for Sean Payton to win in his debut I suppose does it matter not really but we want to know what you want to see we're going to go over what we want to see over the course of the program too but we'd like your input 303-831-1340 is the text line let us know what you want to see whether it's a player or a particular style of uh, offense or something else on the defense let us know what you want to see but Sandy, we were talking about it before the show. Yes, we actually plan this show, people. We don't just, you know, show up and do things. I mean, I do, but Sandy plans. And what Sandy was talking about, uh, to me, is an interesting uh, revamp. Because over the course of the offseason, right, we always hear about uh, looking at rosters and after the draft and after free agency and where everyone sits. Well, now after OTAs, now after training camps have begun, now some teams have suffered some injuries Obviously, you start taking a look at each of these position groups and figure out uh, where teams stand. And for the Denver Broncos, I would say more or less, it is good news, but it lends itself to what we've been talking about really all offseason. The Broncos can be better and maybe even a lot better and still continue the run of seasons without a playoff. And we touched on this yesterday at the top of the show and we'll reinforce the same theme today on the basis of where at least one national writer has ranked based on metrics and other considerations, Mm -hmm. each of the 32 teams position by position, and then gives an overall ranking for that. And this is Mike Clay. He was a longtime observer and yeah. This is Mike Clay. Knows of what he speaks. uh, Of ESPN. Right. And he's been doing this for a lot of years. Mm -hmm. And in the prelude to the piece, he writes about how ranking teams this way has allowed them over the years from time to time to identify teams that aren't generally highly thought of in the preseason, but have turned out to be excellent teams and or big surprises during the regular season. For example, the 2016 Raiders, the 2017 Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Eagles that year who beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. In addition, the 18 Cleveland Browns won in a series of uh, very bad years, one year that actually stood out and was quite good. It was Baker Mayfield's best year as an NFL player and maybe the best year he ever has. The outlier type of season, the way his career seems to be going now. 2020, Tampa Bay, obviously armed with Tom Brady, a team that not only made the playoffs, but went all the way to the Super Bowl and beat the Chiefs and prevented Kansas City from winning consecutive Super Bowls. And then in 2022, the Philadelphia Eagles, that's last year, and the Eagles... I think we can uh, remember as far back as last year, can't we all? Were, uh, and the Eagles good. were a pretty, pretty good, good team <laughs> and a major surprise 
from the quarterback down through uh, the rest of the team. I, I think we knew going into the season that the Eagles had a pretty good offensive line. But 14-3 and three was not what anyone saw coming. And a pretty good defense, but boy, did they overachieve at virtually every position. And even surprised especially guys like a you and me, who actually loved Jalen Hurts, even the, yeah. as he come as he came out oh, of the yeah. draft, well, we both really liked Jalen Hurts and we, felt good about him. both have been talking that Jalen Hurts, I believe, on the basis of what we saw last year, and what we saw last year, I believe, with respect to Jalen Hurts, is sustainable. He's a top five quarterback in the NFL. Now, he isn't yes. ranked oh, that I, way by everybody. I think he is. There are bigger quarterbacks, stronger quarterbacks, uh, with more, as they say, arm talent, mm-hmm. perhaps, than Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is a player. There is no weakness in his quarterbacking game. He threw out of the pocket exceptionally well. Again, as you referenced, better than even his most ardent supporters imagined that he could. He was not just a runner who happened to pass reasonably well from time to time. He could pass out of the pocket. He could throw on the run. Obviously, he was a running threat. He had a good offensive line in front of him, but, boy, was he able to make plays. I think there's a clear top and two. And he allowed them to overachieve. You have Mahomes number well, one, I think obviously. Mahomes and Burrow is number two. I, I think that's the consensus. you have a Jalen Hurts and a Josh Allen, and uh, you want to kind of put them in the mix. Uh, I think Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert. I think Rodgers yeah. may or may not still be in that class. I think you're still talking about someone who's MVP awards in the last three years. And, and this year, watch out. I don't know if it gets to top five, but he's going to be on track is Trevor Lawrence. Who's going well, to make another I, I, I think monumental leap? Trevor this year. Lawrence went from certainly lower half of the league to I think to top, top 10. ten. Yeah, I and I think In he's got and I think he's got season. more room to grow too. In the second yeah. half of the season. Now, can he put an entire season together as he did the second half of last year? I think the consensus is well, yeah. I think he can. That ironically, after his performance against the Broncos in London last year, which was dreadful, mm-hmm. he did not have a bad game the rest of the year. Nothing he had a like bad half at ba- one point. But, <laughs> but well, yeah, he, he had a bad first half where he threw a bunch of interceptions right. against the Chargers and was down 27 nothing at the half, but they came back yeah, and came won back that one. game. And, yes, he threw five interceptions, I believe, in the two playoff games, but they were competitive against Kansas yeah. City. I, I never thought they were going to win the game, but they were competitive against Kansas City uh, in the divisional round. And a victory over the Chargers in the playoffs is a major win, and it made Doug Peterson the only coach who's ever won a Super Bowl with a previous team to go on to another team and not only make the playoffs the next year or the first mm-hmm. year with that new team, but also win a playoff game. Win one. He, he is a classroom of one in that regard. Jags, but anyway, way, we'll talk yeah. about these these rankings as we move along today. But there is good news and bad news in these rankings. But what it illustrates to me, and this is exactly what we were talking about before the program began, was the gulf that exists between where the Broncos were last year and, mm-hmm. frankly, for the better part of the last six years and what a playoff team must do in order to qualify for the postseason. Yeah. There, there is a bigger gulf than people believe there to be. And our example yesterday was to look at the last six years played side-by-side by by both the Rockies and the Broncos, and the Rockies have had a better winning percentage 
in every one of those six years. In those six years, the Broncos have played, uh, actually, the last seven years, uh, the, the Broncos have played a total of 114 games. And this year, not including the game last night against the Dodgers, the Rockies have played 114 games. And it actually won more baseball games out of 114 this year than the Broncos have won in their last 114 regular season games because there have been no postseason games in the last seven years for the Denver Broncos. That was kind of a chilling reminder because nobody thinks the Rockies have any idea what they're doing or any good at all and are destined for anything except maybe their first ever 100-loss season and seasons to come of last-place finishes in the National League West. Now, we don't forecast that for the Broncos, but to think that they're going to go from last to second or even first sometime in the next two or three years, I I don't know. Could they be a playoff team in the next two or three years? Yeah. Do I see them winning the division in the next two or three years? No. And I certainly don't see it this year. There, There is that gargantuan chasm that exists between the Broncos qualitatively and what we expect from a playoff team. And that's something that they have to begin to bridge that gap this year. And what that will require will be the subject of our pre and post game conversations throughout the course of the 2023 season preseason to a lesser extent. And obviously when the games count in the regular season to a greater extent, we, we will be attempting to assess exactly where the Broncos are along that continuum. Right. Right. And, and finding a, a way to bridge the gap between the idea that even though Sean Payton said playoffs or bust, and this is the problem. The Broncos are having to turn around a long streak of bad football to the point. Remember the, the average NFL career isn't all that long. The Broncos at this point, have actually had a streak of seasons without the playoffs that is roughly slightly longer than the average NFL player's career. That means that a yeah, yeah a, a generation, <laughs> for lack of a better term, of football players are exactly unfamiliar right. with the Denver Broncos well, being well, a good football team. Look at look at Justin Simmons, and I guess he at this point stands alone among Broncos who have had His careers as long as seven years, and he has not played yet in a playoff game. He's the last Denver Bronco that's currently in uniform that's ever had Once a winning season. they got season rid of Brandon McManus. In a Broncos that's uniform. It. That was it. It was, yeah. But and then McManus went back, of Miller course, and then McManus. to the Super Bowl year of 2015. So, yeah, yeah I mean. You get the idea. That's it. Nobody around here wearing a Bronco uniform has participated in a playoff and, game. Now, now the Obviously, people they brought in who've been in the playoffs many times before, but as Broncos, there isn't a single player on the current roster wearing a Bronco uniform who's participated in the postseason. No, and and that's... Which is stunning. 
And I, I'm not sure. Most players in the NFL. I, I mean, most players period. in the NFL have played in the playoffs. And most players in the NFL have played, like I said, with the average career. Most players in the NFL, the entire NFL, have not played during a season in which the Denver Broncos had a winning campaign. Most players That's across percent. the league. Oh, oh so absolutely. That gives you an idea That's an even of, higher of what percentage the, yeah, of the population. It's vastly higher. You have to find guys that have played, you know, are already going to be into their seventh or eighth year. And beyond, and that's you're getting into veterans there. So when you look at the way the Broncos, as as longtime fans, you look at it and say, "Yeah, but look at the great history." But the thing is, players aren't familiar with that, and the end result is your your culture. Even for players who come in, look at Frank Clark, who talked about it on the podium uh, a week ago, who talked about the Chiefs. Not looking at the Broncos as a rivalry, but, but even even being worse, we didn't even think of them at all. And that's the way. Even now, most of the players even brought. Look, okay, Zach Allen, right? Zach Allen never played in the NFL where the Denver Broncos were good, were a playoff team. He's never played for that that time period. So even guys now you're bringing in know they're going to a team that even they have only seen as losers, and. For fans, for the Broncos, this is a new thing. The Broncos have never had this run as an NFL team where it's been this long without having a winning season or postseason success. Oh, well, uh, yeah. You have to go back to you bridging to the AFL and the first NFL seven year, Well, the first seven years of the NFL, they did not make the playoffs, but they had a much better record. And they had, yeah, they had a 500 record one of the years now, and, right. over the last seven years. Yeah, so this is as bad a streak as the Broncos have ever had. And so fans look at in it. In the NFL, right. In the NFL and think that, uh, okay, yeah, but it's still the Broncos. You know, they've, they've won three Super Bowls. They've, yeah. they've had multiple yeah. AFC championships. This is a great franchise. But to the players playing, they think about it like, let's face it, the Browns. And, You're kind of like the Browns, the and, way most Broncos fans think about it. Like, well, I'm coming to a losing team. Hopefully, you know, they've been losing for a long time. Maybe we can turn it around. But they're not looking at it that way. Changing that culture is another part of this equation, even beyond changing the roster. And they have to kind of work in concert. It's not I, easy. I, I, we'll talk more about this later. But Deion Sanders uh, today on Media Day up in Boulder was going on and on as as he has a habit of doing and, and very entertaining, as always, and completely committed to his approach, once again defending it today rather rigorously and colorfully, as is his habit. And he got a little carried away at one point toward the end when he said, I don't care about culture. And then he proceeded to yeah. conclude his remarks by talking about culture. More or less. Right. <laughs> Within the team, right? Yeah. About how all the players got along so well, surprisingly well, since they haven't played together before. Right? Almost all of them right. are strangers to except the except the guys that transferred in from Jackson State, they're more or less unfamiliar with their teammates. Well, right, yes, yes, exactly. Uh, but I, I, I think even Deion Sanders, if he really analyzed the Broncos, would find that no discernible culture has been established around the Broncos or climate around the Broncos that would have much, if anything, to do with the proposition of winning a majority of your football games. They've had five head coaches since and they won we, Super Bowl 
we've, we've talked about this. I'll give you a more stunning number than all the head coaches they've had and all the coordinators they've had and all the assistant coaching turnover there has been over the last seven years. And I have mentioned this frequently. You have too, that uh, the black hole to end all black holes in the Bronco lineup across the board exists at right tackle and has for nine years now. We'll see what this year brings. Uh, That's why people maybe reacted a little more strongly, at least at first, to the McGlinchey injury the Mm -hmm. other day because he was supposed to provide not necessarily star power at right tackle, but merely competence. Stability. And, 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 And Right. So I went back and looked from 2014 through 2022 and including McGlinchey in 23, the presumed starter on opening day. But you'd think from what we hear, he'll be healthy by then and ready to start on opening day. Of course, they said the same thing about Billy Turner last year, and that didn't exactly work out. But on this list over nine years, these are players who have started at least one game at right tackle for the Denver Broncos. Oh, boy. How many minutes do we have before break? We're talking about, <laughs> and I don't. we don't even have time to name them all before we break, but I will tell you what the number is. McGlinchey is number 24. They have had 23 right tackles, and I'm thinking right now, out of those 23, not including McGlinchey, that the best one was Ryan Harris, and he was only there for a few games before they had to move him to left tackle, where he was, I think, the best left tackle the Broncos have had over the last nine years. And it reminds us that for three years, Orlando Franklin, man, the right tackle position, 2011, his rookie year, 2012 and 2013, Orlando missed one game. They have not had a single year where one man has started every game at the right tackle position. They've had as many as four in one season, four players at one time or another playing the right tackle position. And I'll tell you something. The guy who got the shot back in 2017 as the fourth right tackle was better than the three guys who preceded him. That's how bad it has been for the Denver Broncos at right tackle. It's 23 players total and 20 different players. Billy Turner, for example, has had two stints with the Broncos playing not all the time, but most of the time at the right tackle position. Uh, we'll get all the names out before the show is over, but it is a stunning That's be fun. measurement. It, it, if nothing else, symbolic of Denver's futility, particularly over the last seven years. And of years. course, Mike McGlinchey hurt and will not be available for this game tonight. So, so won't see the full we'll, offense we'll, that we'll have yet another, <laughs> at least in the preseason, starter at right tackle. And hopefully McGlinchey's injury is the only injury McGlinchey will have this year 
that forces him to miss any games, preseason or otherwise. Absolutely hope so. Want to know your thoughts on this game and what you would like to see coming out of Sean Payton's debut as the head coach? Maybe some of it's about what you're seeing from Payton and his staff. 303-831-1340 is the number. We'll be back to a break it down and, uh, you know, over the whole show. We, we, I think we have time to get over all those. What? How many? 20? 23? 23, not including McGlinchey, the presumed 23 starter. But in 2023, you go back over we'll the last to, we'll nine years, that and that's 23 different right tackles wow. who have started. I, I'm not talking about guys who played the position. These the are starters. guys who have started games. Wow. Well, we'll, we'll find a way to get that all in there. We can we can shuffle things around. We'll get all those names for you. 303 831 is the number. Sandy and I'll be back next on Miley Sports. I'm your window shopper. I, I suck up for your novel. I'm wearing your goggles. Virtual, virtual. Is it time to lead or is it time to die? Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. What are you looking for for the Denver Broncos as they get going in the preseason in Arizona in that big Jiffy Pop building they play in? The field does not look very good, mind you. Uh, a couple of the, you know, the reporters that are out there are putting photos of it on social media. It's sort of notably um, less than impressive. So I will, uh, I'll, I'll go as far to say this. You know, we have our partners at uh, Superbook. Not Sports. very lush and not very not green. lush. Yeah, you're not going to confuse it for uh, yeah for you know anything you're going to find out of the Jungle Book. Uh, the Broncos Do you know are of any other team in the NFL that practices on its. Field for the games. I don't. I can't accept the Arizona Cardinals. I, really, I can't yeah, think I can't of anybody think of else who does it, mm-hmm. who practices on their playing field. I know that at times. I mean, they used to do it. Yeah, all the time. I mean, the, Ram, the, the Rams 60s, have done 70s. it. McVeigh has done it at times. Uh, not so regularly. Fun. I thought they had a practice field. They do have a practice more. field, but I, but I mean, I think when they were, you know, making their their run, I think they had a couple practices there. But that was to familiarize yourself. And on top of that, that's well, a different surface. So, yeah, the Broncos a six-point favorite tonight. The over-under is 37 and a half. <clears throat> uh, uh, take the under. Yeah, for entertainment purposes only, but, uh, yeah, take the under. Oh, my goodness, 37 and a half uh, with these two offenses, with that field? Yeah. <laughs> now, the Arizona defense our is at Superbook.com. terrible, but the Bronco defense is not, and the Bronco offense is not going to put up. 30 points but tonight. I, w- I would not think. We do want to get I your opinion on what you want to see as well. 303-831-1340 is the number, but you know we'll, we'll get into ours uh, too before we have Chris Thomas and join us from Arizona from the Denver Gazette. The uh, we, Because there's so many of them, we have to just do like a couple, Sandy. So you, there's 23 starting, not counting Mike McGlinchey, obviously. Right. 23 starting over the last nine years. Over the last nine years. Now, nine well, years... You yeah, know, it's nine years. Nine years. Nine. There's some success in there for the Denver Broncos, obviously. Uh, 14 and 15. So, yeah. <laughs> so, there you go. So, 14, they did not win a playoff game, though they did qualify. For so, okay, before, before uh, because, okay, at that point, you know, still reasonably successful. So, okay, who was in the 14 and 15 years? All right. Uh, be mindful of the fact, as we run down these names, I believe only two remain active in the NFL. Okay. 
out of this is going to be like three. Our whole right. South Park member berries segments is about this the whole time. <laughs> All right. <laughs> 2014. Okay. Chris Clark. All right. Who was actually a better left tackle than he was a right tackle. Right. That's true. He started the season as the Broncos' right tackle. Orlando Franklin had been the previous right tackle, but mm-hmm. had been moved to left guard. Paul Cornick. Remember him? Oh, my. Got some starts at right tackle. And Louis Vasquez. Right. An all-pro guard. Moved out of his position. In 2014, moved out to right tackle mm-hmm. and finished the season okay. as the Broncos starting right tackle. They come back in 2015, and they and this is Gary Kubiak and right. a basically new coaching staff. Uh, they realized that Luis Vasquez was playing out of position. They wanted him to return and play guard, which he did play. Ryan Harris started the year as the offensive right tackle. Okay. Unfortunately, Ty Sambrella got hurt that year, early in the season. He was left tackle. So when he got hurt, they had to move Harris to left tackle. And maybe the worst of the bunch the Broncos have had, all these players at right tackle, then took Harris's place. Michael Schofield, who actually became a halfway decent guard even here Mm -hmm. in Denver and then moved on to the Chargers Chargers. and played guard and was decent. Not great, but decent. Terrible right tackle. We can still see Khalil Mack, then a Raider, running past Michael Schofield over and over and over again to beat the Broncos out of a late-season game that almost cost the Broncos a top seed in the upcoming AFC playoffs in 2015. On to 2016. You'll remember this guy. Donald Stevenson. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Picked up from Kansas City. Kansas City thought he was washed up. Kansas City was right. <laughs> Sam Brilo, oh, after tearing up his knee, came back and was the seventh player in three years to start at least one game at the right tackle position. So we've gotten through three years now. Ah, here's the big one, though. 2017, Menelik Watson. Yes. Raiders thought he was washed up. Raiders were right. Watson started the season at right tackle. And as had been the pattern throughout his career, he quickly got hurt and was replaced by a guy I had completely forgotten about, a player named Alan Barber. I don't know if you have any oh, recollection wow. whatsoever of Alan Barber. Then they went back to Stevenson mm-hmm. and finished with the best of the bunch that year, Cyrus Kawanji, who I remember just because of the name, great distinctive name. name, great name, Cyrus Kawanji, who was actually uh, the best uh, of the bunch. Quangio, I believe. Yeah, I, I got that right. Yes, Quangio, Quangio, yep. Quangio at right tackle. Four right tackles started at least one game for the Broncos in 27. So, well, you know, we can stop that. That was at least you get the 2016 season. That's the last time the Broncos won. So, by the way, um, that whole thing was for successful Broncos times. Relatively successful for I mean, the most Super part. Bowl in there. 14, but... 15, and 16 all winning seasons. 17 yeah. obviously was not. But the Broncos during those four years started 11 different. Offensive right tackle. So if you're a smidge nervous about Mike McGlinchey's injury, even though he's supposed to be fine by week one, um, you're getting an idea to understand why. But that's just, you know, through 2017, that there will be more. Looking at this game, Sandy, I, I kind of wanted to take a peek at some things that we've talked about that we want to see 
And then we can revisit back on Monday and see if they went well or they went badly because uh, I think there are things that are in this preseason game that are important to look at. Uh, It's not wins and losses. It's not even necessarily how the game goes out in in any shape or form, but there are people. And I I guess I'll, I'll start out. I want to see Greg Dulcich, who's listed as second on the depth chart. Let's take Sean Payton at his word. Behind Adam Troutman. I think that was sent as a message to Dulcich that you need to get out there and block. Uh, on As a second teamer, presumably he'll get more than the 15, 16 snaps the starters are supposed to get. I want to see him go out there and block somebody. I don't care if Greg Dulcich makes a single catch because I think the Broncos know he can catch. I want to watch him out there making blocks. If he think- can't block second stringers on the Arizona Cardinals... He can't block anybody. So that's where I'm starting. That's that's one of the things I'd like to see. So I, I'd like to look at that. And then I guess the other one, we've talked about it uh, a bit, if I'm looking at a specific player. Uh, Nick Benito is impressed. Uh, he's impressed me when I've been there when I've been there at practice. He's impressed on the days I haven't been able to be at practice, according to the people that, that we know. We need to see it translate to games. Uh, he's been able to really jump snaps rather well, but in practice, he has also uh, done a little bit of what you did from Von Miller. Von Miller would jump off sides uh, here and there, but when you have Von Miller's track record, all that does is scare the bejesus out of the tackle, and it's not much of a problem. But when uh, Nick Benito does it, it's probably a problem. I want to see him be able to still get those jumps, but do it on sides. And I want to see that with consistency. Benito, right now, when you're talking about the depth chart, is listed behind Randy Gregory. So I don't know if he'll get as many snaps to say maybe Dulcich might get, but regardless. Oh, I think he'll get. I, I think he'll I would get think, more. I would think they're giving him an opportunity to. This is his chance here. Gre- this is Gregory, one of these games. Gregory will probably only I don't, get eight. Yeah. Uh, I don't think snaps, he'll play much. I, I think uh, probably Frank Clark will get a similar amount. He might not even get that many. Frank Clark may be a guy. You take one look at that field, you might say, be, uh, forget about yeah, Frank Clark. I, I think that's And maybe even too. forget about Randy Gregory. But that's I a think, possibility. I actually think Benito will play at least three quarters of the game. Those I, two guys, I, I think, emphasis on at least. can be X factors if they blossom into what you'd hope second-round picks blossom into. So I think that uh, that's where I'm going to start. Just just those those two players to start. When they're on the field, Offense and defense, that's what I'm going to be watching. Well, uh, if you're at the Denver Post this morning, um, Parker Gabriel's pregame analysis piece and Mark Kisler's column, uh, you'll get a pretty good idea of uh, what we were talking about yesterday and I was talking about specifically. And tonight, uh, while I agree with you, I will be watching the two players you mentioned closely. The uh, players I'll be watching are Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson, and Russell Wilson. (laughs) And it can be as simple as we suggested yesterday and was reiterated today in print. I'll be watching to see how crisply he breaks the huddle, and I'm not being sarcastic about that. Okay. Um, And I I, I think that's, that's okay. And and I'm not being sarcastic about Wilson or about preseason football, at least not in this instance. I want to see if they know what they're doing. And part of that 
is that's like, that's like a confidence coming a, out of the a, huddle. A, even a vanilla version of the Peyton offense. Will he stay on script, or will he be running around like somebody put a cattle prod to his rear end? Will he stay on script? Will he, as they say, operate within the flow of the offense? There you go. There's the okay. there's the football. So so I I don't care what his stats are. I mean, if they're if he's you know three for eleven, we'll probably take notice of that. But I. I, I Basically, I, I don't care what his stats are. I don't care uh, if he gets into the end zone twice or it's one touchdown and a field goal. Uh, but if it's one field goal in two series, let's say, against that defense, uh, he will not be making a move toward earning the benefit of the doubt. And if, if the fundamental thing, and Mark, quite correctly pointed this out in his column today. The one thing more than anything else that bothers me about Russell Wilson is it, it, it and it evokes the great catfish hunter line about Reggie Jackson back in the day. Remember when the Reggie candy bar came mm-hmm. out? And Catfish Hunter had the great line. He said the candy bar is just like Reggie in the sense that all it does is tell you how good it is. (laughs) I would say the same thing about Russell Wilson or anything Russell Wilson happens to endorse. or, or Most of the time is spent on talking about how good the product is or how good he is coming from Wilson. There is not a modest word in the vocabulary of Russell Wilson. There just isn't. And some of it, maybe even most of it is perfectly harmless. If he's playing well, right, right. If he's not, frankly, I think it bugs the hell out of fans. Where a guy who was so bad last year would never begin to suggest that he hadn't played very well until maybe two or three days after Christmas when Nathaniel Hackett had been fired and Wilson did allow as to how he might have played better and helped Hackett save his job had he played a little better. And and to his credit, there was a removal of this mask that Russell Wilson wears for public consumption and actually some humility expressed and some sympathy for uh, all the things that were being written that Mark acknowledged in his column today. Mark Kisler is in the camp of everything was Nathaniel Hackett's fault last year. It is virtually your everything. point with Wilson. I think virtually is, everything is fair because I think when you talk, you talk about the, uh, ex-teammates that kind of made fun of him last year. So it's the nature of the, the artifice. And I think you also pointed out, it's not really a problem. Do you think Tom Brady wasn't the same way? Of course he was. Everything Tom Brady, Tom Brady did it the same thing. Everything was for public consumption, everything. No different than Russell Wilson. And it's but no, fine. But there, there, was, there wasn't as much bragging. It, there's there a, wasn't as much that, bragging that, with Brady. And I, not, I don't, not even close. And there wasn't with Manning either. 
They, they're just wasn't. no. And, and Wilson Manning was is polished unique, about public unique in that that regard. Too. Uh, he he's not Reggie because he isn't as out there in your face as Reggie was during his playing days. But in terms of substance, Reggie Jackson uttered more immodest words per sentence than Russell Wilson ever has. Russell Wilson is unique, hmm. I believe, in the annals hmm. of modern professional sports wow. in that he has never found anything wrong with Russell Wilson on or off the field. He didn't absolutely even even LeBron James has admitted mistakes, shortcomings, bad performances here and there. It, it, most stars do. In fact, they're the first to do it. The better they are, the fewer excuses they make. Russell Wilson doesn't make excuses per se. He just tells you all the time, hey, everything's great. And it can be labeled as, well, he's an optimist. Well, that that's fine. But even optimists have some degree of self-awareness. Russell Wilson has none, and that artifice, as you describe, is what turned off his teammates, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, from the beginning in Seattle. They did not like his act. There's a lot to unpack, uh, not only there, but of course for this Broncos' first preseason game, the number's 303-831-1340. We'll get back to it in just a bit. Chris Thomason will join us at the top of the hour from Arizona for the latest next on Miley Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Oh, it's Friday. Careful there out on the, uh, the the roads. Everyone's rushing back to catch the game, or at least the first uh, 16 snaps of it. That's the nature of preseason football. But we're going over uh, not only some of the things we want to see in this game, but uh, we have a pretty remarkable history. As you pointed out, Sandy, at the beginning of the show, 23 starters for the Denver Broncos in the last nine years. And, and we went over 14, 15 uh, and 16 those, and 17 and 17 of course some of those years you know were, were good one at a super bowl championship but uh, here on out but the though, offensive line wasn't good that year let's just especially the right a side couple of, of those years because right um now we're getting into the bad times it ends up being pretty bleak but no so let's uh let's just look at say you know whatever 17 18 well we don't know how many there are left but you know let's look at the next last couple of years and see where they fit for, right. for these guys Last few years, we'll pick up with 2018. After four different starters at right tackle in 2017, there were only two in 2018. Jared Veldier, who was at the end of the line. Yeah, Veldier. And Billy Turner right? started games at right tackle Ooh, he might in 2018. pop up again. Maybe. 2019, we all remember Jawan James, oh, yeah. who was injured, he thought, not injured according to the Broncos. And that was Vic Fangio's first blowout with a player. Also with the Dolphins, which is why he became a free agent exactly. in the first place. Um, John Elway apparently didn't care much what Adam Gase and the Dolphin coaching staff, including uh, Brian Flores, thought of uh, Juwan James because Brian Flores just taken over as head coach. And his first look at Juwan James who he had coached against with the New England Patriots twice a year was get him out of here. Get him out of here. As badly as Gase wanted him gone uh, when Gase was fired and 
They brought in uh, Flores. Flores wanted to go into. Then Elijah Wilkinson, right, who was a plugger, mm-hmm. not not a particularly good player, but a plugger. That that, that, that this long list. There's there's been worse than Elijah yeah. Wilkinson. Oh, yeah, what <laughs> is that like, worse? Yeah. And Jake Rogers actually started. Oh, I forgot right about that. In 2019. So there were three in 2019 who started games at right tackle. 2020, another three, but Wilkinson was the first. Followed by a guy who I thought was a pretty good player, and I never understood exactly why he didn't get a look. But again, Vic Fangio did many things that mystified us. Uh, I thought DeMar Dotson was a pretty good player. And I thought when he played, he played reasonably well. Not well enough, apparently, because he was succeeded by Calvin Anderson, okay. who was another player that when he filled in at left tackle for Garrett Bowles, for example, played usually as well as Bowles did, yeah, if not better. I thought so. At right tackle, mm, not so much. Did not play well. 2021. Bobby Massey. Remember him? Of course. Okay. And Cam Fleming finished the season as the starting right tackle. Okay. So that was a good year. There were only two right tackles that year. By the way, Cam Fleming may very well be starting tonight for the Denver Broncos. Instead of um, yeah. Cam but Fleming it or would Isaiah be Prince. hard to imagine a player having a worse camp than Cam Fleming has had so far. But uh, maybe we'll see a lot of them tonight. I don't know. Last year, Cam Fleming was the starting right tackle, and Billy Turner, uh, off injury, finally uh, took over the position. And that completes the list of 23 right tackles in nine years for the Denver Broncos. Uh, Ryan Harris was the best of them. Uh, DeMar Dotson, I thought, was the best who really didn't get a shot because they thought he was too old. I mean, they were bringing in guys... You're in, bringing in the Veldiers of the world who were yeah. at the tail. And weren't even year to year. They were game to game right. propositions. And of course, now after all of that, they're desperate enough to go after a, a clearly flawed player in uh, Michael McGlinchey, who for a high draft pick has been uh, a f- way below average right tackle as a pass blocker. Yeah, but uh, adequate as a run blocker, but tackles aren't oh, wow. asked to run block. You they have, have, you to have pass such protection. a high bar. I mean, oh, my, no, I my, don't. My, 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 he, he's, his pass protection numbers are brutal. Uh, and, of course, he's compared to his opposite number on the other side, who's the best tackle left, right, or otherwise in the NFL, and that would be Trent Williams. Um, the 49ers. Who, by the way, nobody bothers sending anyone at. Uh, so, I mean, when it was the Niners, you know, your best pass rusher was actually not lining up against Trent Williams. He was lining up well, against no. McGlinchey because no. there was no point in lining up against Trent Williams. But, you know, right tackles are just as important as pass blockers Absolutely. as left tackles are. That is no longer, there's it's, no longer, it's no longer this kind of, well, right tackle, tackle will we'll just put a tight end just over envision, there Just envision out. Russell Wilson when he rolls out. Which side does he roll out to? Right. Almost exclusively? Yeah. The right side. And and you saw last year. How, how badly it hurt the Broncos when they really, uh, between Fleming and Turner, did not have a competent player at the right tackle position. Uh, Billy Turner is still in the game, mm-hmm. and Cam Fleming is still in the game. Uh, the rest, as far as I know, are out of the National Football League. 
So only two of the 23 right tackles who played for the Broncos started games for the Broncos over the last nine years. Only two out of the 23 are still in football. I think Cam Fleming will be cut. Uh, if McGlinchey is healthy to start the season, I think Cam Fleming will get cut. They'll go with younger guys. And uh, Billy Turner is back with Nathaniel Hackett again. So and I'm Aaron Rodgers. Yep. Billy Turner, who is an Aaron Rodgers favorite and obviously Nathaniel Hackett favorite, will make the Jets. And we'll be in here in week five. Yep. yep. After having blasted Sean Payton uh, a couple of weeks back when Payton put the name of Nathaniel Hackett yeah, into his mouth. in his mouth. Yeah, which I think Rodgers specifically pointed out he did not like. See, I, I think Rodgers did, and more colorfully, Billy Turner did. I think that Cam Fleming is going to make this team because I think there's a lack of depth, but it will be interesting to Cam see. Cam Fleming's not a good player. I mean, it, but I think as are most of these right tackles. I think he's going to make, gonna make this players, team. But. And uh, But you're looking at the depth, and that's one of the things I think you want to pay attention to when the starters are out. Look at the depth on the line. You know, look at... At Fleming, look at Isaiah Prince, who they brought in. Look at uh, college free agent Demontre Jacobs, who's huge, I'm saying. huge. I, uh, maybe I, one of these guys can upset Fleming. They've got a new line coach who played for uh, Peyton but forever I in New Orleans. That Sean Payton, I don't like Cam a lot of coaches Fleming, likes veterans. Cam Fleming is a Hackett guy. He's a uh, Peyton guy. He came in under uh, it, under the regime uh, and control and authority of those people and. Sean Payton is very clear. I'm doing everything differently. And I I can't see Cam, Cam Fleming is a last resort if they have, at that particular position, two or three hmm. injuries. Hmm. And they they are desperate. And he's been, br- he's been brutal in camp. He's been the worst offensive lineman in camp. I, I mean, daily, uh, people like Zach Allen have been just running over him and running through him and uh, running around him. He's been terrible. I just think they're. Just so, I think they're just so short of depth that I think he's got a very, very good chance of of making the team. But, but that's, that's ESPN me. says the Denver Broncos have the tenth best offensive line in the NFL. Wow, and the fifth best offensive line in the AFC. That's remarkable. Led by Cam Fleming. No, wow, that makes you would be there. But I mean, uh, that see that that does surprise me to hear that that they haven't ranked that high. That, but to but me that's seems an example. Unusual. The, the Broncos and others have been overrating their offensive line for the better part of a decade. Well, now. this isn't a, that's not an internal reference there. That's, you know, that, that the folks at ESPN believe that's not that good. No, no, I, I'm saying the Broncos and others. Yeah. They did it last year, too. And it, Garrett Bowles is kind of symbolic of that. Garrett Bowles had one year that was really good. Mm-hmm. That was 2020. And Garrett Bowles is regarded as a better-than-average left tackle in the NFL when he is clearly not. He had one very good year, and it was a good year. He was an all-pro and made it on merit. Yeah, 2020, absolutely. But 2017 was his rookie year. So we're talking about six years, and out of six years, he's had one good one. He's 31 now. He's 31. Do you really think at age 31 – He's going to turn into Trent Williams. Uh, I don't. No, of course and not. And I, I don't think he's going to turn. And, and again, this is what people do with the Broncos. Well, Garrett Bowles is pretty good. He's a better than average uh, tackle. So he's a top 10 left tackle in the league. Really? Think so? Top 15? Really? 
on what basis? Pro football focus in 2022, and you had to take guys that had, a, you know, the snap minimums, obviously, because uh, you have to equate it that way. But when you look at the the ones he that play, had, he played five games, right? So you look uh, at the so, uh, the snap minimums. Only two current Denver Broncos made the list of tackles. They didn't uh, differentiate between right and left last year. Uh, one was McGlinchey, who was 35th overall with a 70.3 rating. I'm sorry, that's not very good. <laughs> if, if you got the 35th best tackle in the league and he's a starter for you, the highest yeah, three, from the 2022 season, the highest ranked tackle for the Denver Broncos the 64 was 29 guy. overall. Yeah. <laughs> that was actually Cam Fleming. <laughs> <laughs> Make of that I, what I don't know you what they're looking at. Well, they, they, they're not looking at the games. Uh, this, but it's you know, it's fun to get to talk about this because there are actually games, and that means that's the sound of football coming back. Now's the time to place your preseason bets with Superbook Sports. Superbook's the most trusted name in Vegas. Now you can use promo code Mile High to score up to two hundred fifty dollars with their first bet bonus. Which means win or lose, they'll match your first bet up to two hundred fifty dollars with the promo code Mile High. Don't miss out on this football season. Win some money with Superbook Sports and that promo code. It's an easy one. Mile High. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We will get out to Arizona where Chris Thomas of the Denver Gazette is posted to cover the game tonight. We'll talk to him next on My Life Sports.